For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right. Yeah, every time I see that photo, just a fraction of myself. It's terrible. Welcome to Block Party. I'm your host, Mike Wall. We got some breaking news with the Packers defensive uh, coordinator hire. So I wanted to check in real quick and answer some questions that uh, have been posed to me on, on the social media channels over the last couple of hours. Uh, but first, support show is always sponsored by Bet Online. NFL playoffs and NBA season full swing. BetOnline has you covered with all the up-to-second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. So head there today to get into the action see our updated odds. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-A-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And so the Packers hire former Boston College head coach Halfley to run the defensive coordinator job. So he is now the head coach of the defense for the Green Bay Packers in a move that I don't know. I don't know how many, um, I don't know how, if he was on a lot of people's radar. It's always interesting when a guy goes from a, a head coaching position at, at the college level to become a DC, there's just a lot of questions that go into that transition. So uh, real quick stat wise, 2023 Boston college. And here's what we got to remember with everything. As I go into this, Boston College, you know, Isaiah McDuffie went to Boston College. Matt Hasselbeck went to Boston College. Um, A.J. Dillon went to Boston College. But Boston College is not a football powerhouse. You're not talking about Alabama here. So I broke down a couple games, just looking at some, some highlights and some condensed game stuff. And what you really have to look at is what they're trying to accomplish versus the result. Because, for example, I broke down um, the Holy Cross game. It was a 31-28 game. Quarterback for Holy Cross is run all over those guys. And it lines up with their statistics, but you don't necessarily, that doesn't mean that like he's not a good or bad or anything coordinator. It means that uh, you're trying to make the most out of the talent you have. And it's a little bit different than the pro game, but in 2023, they were 13th in passing yards allowed on defense uh, at, at number three in 2021, really poor against the run though, this year, 110th, 181.4 yards a game. I think a lot of that is, as we, we kind of looked at the tape has to do with, they're not very good at tackling. Uh, they didn't do a great job at at accounting for a mobile quarterback. Uh, you know, it's so it's not necessarily a scheme thing. It's just like it, I I don't know how much it is ever, but how much that plays into the the level of detail they they take to account tackling and things like that. Well, that's interesting. Uh, he had a twenty two and twenty six record at, at Boston College. Traditional likes to run the single high middle field closed defenses. Um, likes to run man man match coverages. Run a lot of man. He'll run some zone pressures. He does a good job of uh, he does a good job of, of running sims, which is simulated simulated pressure. It's like big thing in the in the NFL today. Something that I love. Get a bunch of people up off the line of scrimmage, have the center of the quarterback make a call, and then you can, you can drop some, drop all. But you're really trying to show one show one thing and do another. 
So let's just get into like what questions do we do we have to answer now that you have a uh, a new defensive coordinator? Number one, just you know, how did he get here? Now I don't think a lot of people knew, or at least Jeff was on the the Jeff Halfley uh, watch list before he got this hire. So people are saying that it's out of the blue. Um, he worked with he worked with Shanahan most importantly in in San Francisco. I think that's a, a notch on everyone's belt. Senevich worked there as well at the same time. He was working for Robert Salah at that point, so. You'll probably see some of those influence. He worked for Mike Pettin, working for Gridciano. So he's been in the pro style. He understands the pro game. I think he just did an interview not too long ago. I watched that he the nuances of the difference between pro and college. I thought was some of his answers were super interesting. If you want to check that out on YouTube, my guess is that you see some sort of Salah defense. So you're talking about ad- attacking defense. So first of all, he's a four he's a four three guy. Not to say that he can't adapt, but he's a four three guy. And we'll get into it later. I love that, and I'll, I'll tell you why. But you're going to see attacking defensive line guys. So you immediately, like your 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 mind goes to Quentin Williams, um, and then you look at their their the two inside linebackers in the defense for the Jets, uh, just high high level players, Williams and um, uh, the the kid that was at Baltimore forever, it's phenomenal, CJ Mosley. Uh, you're thinking about. Mixed man coverages with zone pressures. We're talking about the Sims that they love to run. They they don't mind isolating uh, Sauce Gardner on people. So we have that guy already with the with with Jair Alexander. You kind of already have that built in. So you hope that that is the direction they go. The Jets have obviously had really good defenses. You know, you go back further in Salah's book and you start thinking about you know kind of like the the Pete Carroll stuff, and then you look at the great the great Chiano stuff on the other side of some of his other experiences. So you're going to probably have some personnel decisions that, to, to make based on that, that, that type of defense that we can get into maybe line item by line item here. But I want to answer this other question. Does the college record transition to the pros? And, and because 22 and 26, not great. Um, pretty good in, in the passing game, quite frankly, but they give up a ton of yards on, on, on the ground. And it, you know, the numbers match the tape, at least in the, the very short, small sample size that I watch, but quite frankly, not against a good opponent. Holy cross. Um, the hard part with all of that is you really don't have the same caliber athlete. And sometimes you don't have the same caliber athlete at the college level. Like, you know, that I always talk about the, the variation in athleticism at the highest level, like the bandwidth really small, but like the college level, especially between like FBS, FCS, like it's actually pretty big. You know, it's like it's huge in in high school. You see some of these high school guys look like grown men. You see some, you know, high school ninth, tenth grade, eleventh grader. They look like little kids. So that bandwidth narrows as you get to, closer to the top. Um, he's certainly produced some guys that can play in the National Football League, but overall, you're you're missing some, you know, tremendous footwork at key positions. Um, you just don't know without really diving into it how many and understanding those players, which I quite frankly don't care enough to do, you know, how many things are mental errors that it's on the player, how are they coaching this, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that did stand out to me personally was you saw a lot of guys leaving their feet on tackles in that one game. Uh, that's something certainly that this team's had a problem with. So you want to see that they have a real answer there as far as, you know, teaching the fundamentals at a high level. I don't think it transitions though, because, you know, the, the difference between being a head coach, the, the fountain head and the leader of a program Versus just running the defense, which is a big deal, especially in Green Bay when you have an offensive line of a head coach. 
but it's like you get to cut your job down, not by a half, but like by an you're down to like an eighth of what you used to have to do because all the responsibilities that fall on the, the shoulders of a head coach are vastly, vastly different than what you're going to get at DC. So he'll really be able to hone in and become the leader of that side of the ball. You like that idea. What are the obstacles uh, from transitioning from the college to the program? I, from, from my experience, and it's probably the most egregious at, at the positional level, but the way that you talk to these guys is different. These guys have, have mortgages, families, huge paychecks, totally, totally different thing. Not 17 or 18 years old, not as impressionable, kind of set in their ways. So the way that you talk to them, the rah-rah stuff kind of goes out the window. Um, unless it's super, super genuine in, in, in the case like Pete Carroll. But again, he's not talking down to him. He's talking to them. That's, I think that's a huge difference. You see some guys that come in from college to the pro and they're trying to really, really get these like, you know, 28, 29 year old vets amped up. And it's like you just the language they're using is just not appropriate or um, uh, impactful. So if he's got that part of it, you know, figured out and, you know, the. the the, the players today are different. They want the relationships they want. They want the building. So in some ways, maybe it's an easier transition than it used to be because these guys are all kind of looking for validation and relationships, maybe on a different level than say 20, 30 years ago, talking about the players now. So if you can develop and build those relationships, you use the proper kind of language, you need to address these guys, the attention to like bottom line, these guys are pros and I want to be good players. So what do we always talk about? You know, players want two things. They want to be put in a position to win. They want to be given the skills or, or taught the skills to be, to be successful. So if they, he can do that, the transition is simple, right? The thing that I always like about college guys is you usually have this attention to detail for the basics. So you have to teach, like you have to teach tackling, you have to teach breaking down. These guys are coming out of high school. They might not know anything. So I like the idea from that standpoint, having said that with some of the tackling that you saw in the poor, the poor uh, job they do in the run game, you just want to make sure that that base is covered. How does the personnel on this team match up to a 4-3 scheme, single high safety? Let's assume that's what he's going to do as a base defense, 4-3 four, four, single high. Okay, obviously you run a lot more 4-2 nickel, blah, 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 blah. But let's just say 4-3 single high. What does that look like? Um, what do you really need to get right? And I said it already. Isaiah McDuffie is a guy that he's probably going, this is fantastic, right? Because what the way that he played during this season, some of the cap hits and everything that are going on there, okay, Quay's going to be here. But Isaiah McDuffie's probably looking at this like this guy probably has my back, and he should be. My opinion, he should be playing more anyways. So he's gonna, he might find his way into the starting lineup next year. Something that I wouldn't be mad about at all. What I also love about going to a four three, Rashawn Gary, um, Lucas Van Ness, maybe most importantly, this guy's gonna be in a three point stance now. I for me. These guys are going to be so much better if they're in a three-point stance from a pass rush standpoint, getting off the ball, leverage standpoint in the run game. Talk about Lucas Van Ness not being able to play out of a two-point as well as a three. Just the power uh, expression into the ground through the through the opponent is so much different when you get that low stance. You can really be attacking off the football. You have a better angle and sight to the, to, the, to the nose of the football as far as movement goes. So I really like what it might be able to open up for some of our defensive ends. Some of those guys won't be as good. I don't know if Preston's going to be as good with his hand in the ground. I I, I don't know. But I think Rashawn and, and Lucas Van Ness in particular are guys, even Enigbari when he comes off his injury, I think when you look at those guys, it kind of makes sense, right? They're getting to a sprinter stance because they're those kind of guys. So I, I love that. You are going to absolutely have to figure out the linebacker position. They have to play downhill and aggressive. You saw what Quay does anyways when he's down here. He's such a, such a better player. Isaiah McDuffie is purpose-built for, for what we're talking about right now. I think the guy that you have to make some decisions about based on injury, based on the, his play last season, is Devondre Campbell. What, and 
what are they going to do there? Is he a guy that, you know, for the number that he's getting paid is going to stick around and be the third guy uh, or a backup? Is he, does he, he, I'm sure he doesn't consider them, himself that way and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, the truth is not a lot of teams play a traditional four, three, even against like 12 personnel these days, because the ability of those wide receivers, they have more Luke Musgraves in the, in the, in the game than, you know, Mercedes Lewis's. So, the other position, I think you're, I think you're kind of set at corner. Like you've drafted these guys. Stokes is coming back off injury. Um, obviously, Jair Alexander on the other side is a guy that you feel really good about singling up, and I think he wants. He'll probably want to take on that challenge. When you look at the safety position now, if you look at Savage and go, I feel a lot better at, uh, about Savage at the line of scrimmage, near the line of scrimmage, as a box guy versus a coverage guy. Savage is probably thinking maybe I'm going to stick around here a couple more years and I have a really chance to make some plays, you know, as long as I can focus on becoming that alley tackler, becoming that presence at the, at the line of scrimmage. Is he a little small for that, in my opinion? Yes. Do I, would I rather have a 230-pound a safety in that position? Absolutely. But you do have a guy that's a first-round pick that's an athletic guy that has proven a bit, been proven to play well around the line of scrimmage. But I think Jonathan Owens might fall into that as well. And so, you know, if you're looking at it, when you watch the BC tape, when you see how deep their, their, their single safety plays, the responsibilities that that person has in the passing game and then having to fill in the run game or being the last line of defense more often than not, you need a guy that's a fantastic tackler, uh, a, a really, really good film room guy and has great range of motion. I don't know if that guy's on, on, the, uh, on the roster yet. You know, when, like when they, when they drafted Mika Fitzpatrick in Miami, of course, I know he moved on and has had a great career with Pittsburgh you knew exactly what you got out of the box. You saw that guy walking. The, he's, the guy's kind of has it all. I don't know if they have that safety on this team right now. They might have to go hunting. Um, so that, to me, that actually becomes a priority position is, is who's going to be the single high, the free safety in this, you know, is there a, uh, is there a, is there another Kyle Hamilton in this draft ish kind of guy that has range can come down and make plays as a solid tackler. And then a really, really good uh, kind of film study guy because, again, the responsibilities for a single safety uh, defense, like that guy has to really know his stuff and, and have really, really good eye discipline. But I think I've always been really excited about the prospect of Kenny Clark being able to be a true attacking player. I, I think that he is probably in some ways, and he was going to the Pro Bowl again, he's three-time Pro Bowl player, and he's a great Packer all-time great, you know, maybe he'll be in the Packer Hall of Fame. I do think at times that they've hamstrung his development from a pass rushing standpoint because of the defenses that he's been asked to play in. I look at Kenny with his athleticism, his his quick twitch, and the way that he can pivot hips and reset low and get back into a rush mode. If he had been in a defense that that taught him more pass rush competency early in his season, early in his career, I think he'd be better off as just from like maybe uh, a disruptive pass rusher standpoint, and not necessarily as an overall player, but now you get into the position where I think he can really excel in this. And I'll be excited to see how they do. I think who they bring in for defensive line coach is a really big deal. You got to bring in a guy like a, like a, like a Kurosek from San Francisco, who is just grade a, one of the best guys in the business at, if, if this is what they're going to do at teaching guys, how to get off the ball, get up field, and and play football while attacking the quarterback. Play the run while attacking the quarterback, and just being really, really good with your hands, really good with leverage. Not every guy's good at that. A lot of defensive guys are good at like kind of their system guys. As far as we two gap, we we punch and read, we we flatten out. We do. If you want a penetrating guy, 
then you got to go find a guy who's just really, really all about, hey, I get off faster than everybody else. My hands are in perfect place every time. My, my foot placement is perfect every time. And, I, and again, I'm attacking the quarterback and making, making the running play on the way to the quarterback. Uh, number five, I, the, the red defense wasn't good. Is that a concern? I, you know, as I watch the Holy Cross game, you kind of see a couple things. One, the lack of athleticism maybe at the, at the, in the perimeter was exploited. Two, they didn't spy their quarterback. Their quarterback made them pay. We're seeing a lot of that in the National Football League right now. I mean, if you look at the playoffs, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy really won. Uh, you, you could make the argument they won with their legs the last couple of weeks, uh, especially last week with Brock Purdy. Um, Lamar Jackson's in the in the AFC Championship. You know, really the only guy who couldn't run in in the playoffs in the semis was Jared Goff. And so I, that is a big part of the it, he it, it, and Halfley actually came up with uh, an interview a couple maybe it was last week, and he said something to the effect of, uh, "It's a different ball game in the NFL because he doesn't think that these quarterbacks are going to run every time because they can't afford to." And you start a little bit push back and go, "Well, for the teams that aren't accounting for the quarterback, a la BC versus Holy Cross, you end up getting beaten." So again, very very small sample size. And I'm sure they'll have ideas around that, especially on who they're playing. And maybe that was a surprise. I don't know anything about Holy Cross, but you saw that, and then you saw there was there was some some egregious missed tackles, um, both at the linebacker and safety position. And when you think about where we have really struggled, you always talk about alley tackling two years ago, um, earlier in the season. I think they've gotten better, but uh, you see guys taking poor angles to tackle. Yeah, I mean, that like that whole thing, like that fundamental, can we be, I call, I have a hunt and hammer tackling system. Do we have that system in place that everybody's using the same language? It's a stress point and a, and a, and a key area of opportunity for this team. Every time they, they hit the field in OTAs, is that how we're going to, we're going to be the best tackling team in the league and that's going to make a difference in our, in our lives. Or are we just going to like, we're going to win this with scheme and all this stuff. That's always interesting. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really sold one way or the other on how he how he answered how he answered the uh, the NFL to college difference with the running quarterbacks and whatnot. I did think it was interesting given the fact that Lamar Patrick Mahomes, who, who you know runs for first downs, is a really good out of the pocket guy, and then Brock Purdy are, are three of the last four guys in the league in the uh, in the playoffs. And then maybe for some people, maybe the most pertinent information: Are you going to retain the staff? on this football team. Are you going to retain the staff? And, and let me just type this in real quick. So we're talking about the defensive staff now. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, I don't pay too much attention to these. Okay. So we got defensive coordinator, Jeff. Hatt. Okay. Defensive line, running game corner, Jerry Montgomery. Do we keep, the defensive line coach is he the kind of guy that's going to be able to run that penetrating scheme does he have the pass rush expertise does he does he really know how to beat guys like does he write scouting reports on his offensive line on that they're, that they're playing like is he de is he detailed like that if the answer is no well i don't know passing game coordinator defense i would imagine halfley's going to have a big say in that so i don't know if that is a position still a defensive backs coach Ryan Downer. Now, this is another position where, again, I don't know anything about these guys. I think if we're going to make a general statement, you say, look, you have the option to interview all these guys. 
Now, what's always interesting and what we will never know is if the president, if the general manager, if if Matt, if somebody said, hey, we want to retain the staff, right? Like some guys are just clear house. I'm out of here. Some owners, we don't have an owner, but some owners, some presidents, some general, that, hey, we've already paid these guys. Like we're not going to be one of those teams that has, you know, 20 million, 30 million dollars in dead money that we're paying coaches that we fired. So I want you to interview all these guys. We want to retain as many as we can. Or is it like, hey, man, come in and, and fix the problem? The Packers are usually a fix the problem kind of team because they don't have an owner that's worried about cash, right? Not that they're filled with spenders, but in these situations, when they come up, you would think I'm going to put in, in place whoever I think is the best. Some of these guys could be and have just been in a bad situation. So you got uh, Kirk uh, Olivadoti as the inside linebackers coach, who now he will be the linebackers coach. You got a pass rush specialist. Um, I don't know if they have a pass. That's interesting. I did not know they have a pass rush specialist. I would not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that. Defensive quality control, Wendell Davis. And then defensive quality control, Justin Hood. Those guys are usually the safest guys, to be honest, because they're the least, um, they have the least amount of input. They're a lot, they have to do a lot of kind of uh, grunt work early on in their careers. That's how you, everyone's got to be it, but that's how you get going. So it'll be interesting to see how many of that staff they keep, if any, or if all. But I don't think that, uh, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either way, quite frankly. And then, yeah, I think the only other, the only other thing to, to really consider about this is what happens over the next couple of years if the defense doesn't react, if we don't see this, this big sea change, or what, what does that sea change look like? If I go to the Packers stats this year, this will be the last thing, guys. Uh, if, so, listen, they're they're 13th in the league at 21.4 points per game. Not terrible. Now, they're in the bottom half of yards per game. They're in the bottom half of opposing yards rushing. Bottom half, really, really low in uh, opposing you know rush yards per game at 127. And about middle of the road with 20, 218 yards passing. So, I guess the real question is, given that Halfley's pass defense is 13th in the league and the run defense is 181st, is this guy a great developer of talent? Is this guy a great communicator? What are the qualities that, that Matt LaFleur saw in him that, that drove this decision? Because if I look just on the face value of it, there are 181 yards a game in, in college. Granted, it's college, but they're not playing Alabama every week. Um, 110th rated team against the run. And the Packers aren't very good against the run. The Packers are bottom half of the league against the run. I think what I just say, the, the ranking actually against the run is 28th in yards per game. So that would be a huge, and the reasons behind it are very similar, right? Saw tackling issues, saw tackling issues on the secondary level. Um, didn't account for quarterback runs. Kind of like we just saw this uh, some of the stuff, right? And again, sample size of one, not a fair connection, just one that I'm making because it was it was obvious on tape. It kind of lined up with the numbers. So, anyways, we'll have to see what happens. I think change is good there. Change was necessary and good for all this stuff and and more. I'm going to do some clip art stuff on um, 
on the Chiefs running game leading up to the Super Bowl. I've got a couple things mapped out, and we'll get those out maybe early next week for the rest of it. Thanks for watching. Hit me up, MikeWall68, with questions, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.